Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And our guest today is Tanya Townsend. She's senior vice president and CIO at LCMC Health. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much. Yeah, so excited to hear about this journey of yours, uh, consolidating EHR's big effort uh, and also going after MRAM stage seven. But before we dive in there, tell us a little bit about yourself and LCMC Health. Sure. Um, This is an exciting story to tell. Um, So LCMC Health stands for Louisiana Children's Medical Center. However, um, that is our history, but we don't go by that anymore. It is LCMC Health. Uh, We were founded by Louisiana's only freestanding children's hospital, Um, but now since then we've grown into a healthcare delivery system that serves New Orleans and our communities in the Gulf South. Uh, We're now nine hospitals and kept the legacy of children in our name, but uh, we now have um, many other facilities and, and we do everything else as well. So we have Children's Hospital of New Orleans. Um, We have University Medical Center of New Orleans, which is the area's only level one trauma center. Um, We also recently acquired Tulane University Medical Center and their associated hospitals. So uh, we are an academic teaching organization training the next generation of healthcare professionals in partnership with LSU and Tulane Medical Schools. Uh, And and I'll stop there, but uh, we started (laughs) with the Children's Hospital, but everything else too. Yeah, no, I'm. I I don't know if I've ever heard of a children's hospital becoming a health system. I heard of children's hospitals getting, you know, succumbed by the Borgs, but that's pretty awesome. What a cool history! Right, that's why it is an exciting story to tell. Uh, We're the only ones that we're aware of that uh, made that type of transition as well. Um, I am the first CIO of this organization, um, and I've been in my role now for about eight years, just over eight years. Ah, that's so cool. What and I, you know, I always love children's hospitals because they come from a different perspective. So I think that's cool. And now the fact that you had children's hospital that became a health system really that that's a, that's quite the story. Well, you know, before we dive into the MRAM journey and you know EHR consolidation, uh, tell us what's the most challenging thing that you're facing as a CIO right now. Um, well, this could take the whole time, but um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the journey, but yeah, then where we're at today, um, we, we face a lot of those same pressures as probably other healthcare organizations, but also just um, it, all industries really, you know, we're workforce shortages. Um, we're facing, you know, inflation costs rising and uh, reimbursement levels, maybe not uh, at that same pace. Um, so we're, we're really challenged on continuing to find efficiencies yet still invest in technology or the right technologies to help balance all of that. Um, we also are recently, or we're about to go live actually on a new ERP platform. So, um, you know, the, the first part of our journey was getting on an integrated electronic health record and, uh, we sort of, um, I don't want to say neglected, but we kind of left our ERP alone for a little while, and now we're starting to work through that. So the other side of the fence with um, enterprise resource planning around HR finance and supply chain. So we're just about to go live on a consolidated single system in a few weeks. Yeah, that's a, that's a really big project as well. I mean, similar to the HR, I don't think it touches quite as many people, but the impact is, is almost as big. Uh, so that's interesting to see you move that direction. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. So cool. I'm still smiling in a couple of weeks, but <laughs> you seem to be doing well. So, you know, you did go through the EHR consolidation project recently. Talk about what's been the impact of that consolidation. What are some of the lessons learned as you consolidated down to the EHR? Yeah, our um so our, we had a number of goals going into the project. So because we are an organization that grew through mergers and acquisitions, uh, the hospitals that are now part of LCMC Health all have longstanding history. They had independent IT organizations, independent or disparate, what we could, what we would call disparate um, EHR platforms and systems. So just about nothing was the same. I, I'd like to say, you name it, I had it. Got <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of these, one of these. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so obviously when you have a um, environment like that, it leads to a lot of duplication, a lot of inefficiencies, very complex um, and a lot, a lot of duplication. So our goal was to integrate care. That was um, step one, was to really integrate care across the continuum because geographic wise, we are in the same community, all, all in the community of New Orleans. So um, patients do tend to maybe start at Children's Hospital and uh, navigate as they become adults. And so we wanna have that seamless experience uh, for our community. Um, also just, improving efficiencies. So making that an efficient process for our patients, but also for our caregivers and our workforce who might be practicing or trying to um, put the pieces together for a patient that's transitioning throughout those different um, stages of our organization. So having a seamless experience uh, and improving productivity. And then lastly, um, getting, getting rid of some of that redundancy and duplication through what we call application rationalization. So getting rid of those many, many systems that were duplicative of one another really created um, a lot of efficiencies and cost savings and allowed us to move to a shared services model for IT. So instead of having nine independent IT departments, it's now one single department supporting the whole enterprise. Um, so there was a number of wins throughout that process. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, when you think about the independence of each hospital and kind of having their own independent IT department, did you bump into some kind of fiefdoms, if you will, and, and things you had to navigate to be able to really consolidate to that shared services model? Uh, absolutely. It's a journey. Um, we're probably still, I, I wouldn't say we're sure. done with that journey just yet. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it's definitely a bit of a change in culture. Um, because there was a lot of independence. And when you have a single system that um, you don't have to share with others, you get to make decisions um, a little more um, swiftly potentially, but now we have to um, have a shared platform, shared system, shared resources. So we had to put a lot of governance in place to ensure we were making um, standard decisions wherever possible and making those um, or, or, or making the argument for having uh, adjustments along the way. So obviously pediatrics um, is, a, is an area that is different than adults. So that's usually where we might have a difference and how we, how we uh, approached it or how we built the system. But in general, we had to come up with a governance model to get all the right decision makers and key um, stakeholders to the table and help us make those decisions. So, but yes, we, we definitely experienced um, a little bit of that, Thiefdom and uh, transition along the way. 
Sure. Well, it's easy for them to just be like, well, you're pediatric, so we can't. <laughs> I can already hear the meetings. Uh, so yeah, having good governance. Is, it's interesting. It's, it's key regardless of, you know, what your past history is. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. Well, as part of this effort, you know, two of the LCMC uh, hospitals achieved HIMSS MRAM stage seven, which is a, a pretty impressive feat when you look at everything that's required to do that. Can you talk about why was this an important effort for your organization to really go after, you know, becoming an MRAM stage seven uh, hospital health system? Yeah, I think it's... Um... It, number one, it kind of gives you a little bit of a map to to use to help guide, you know, the the um, maturity and progress. Um, it also is just an opportunity to benchmark with your peers. So, what are others doing? Um, but what I really like about the the Emron model is it's about how well you're using the system. So it's an opportunity to showcase, not just that we put in some technology, but what we did with the technology. So it's one thing to turn on some buttons, uh, but the MROM model really measures your outcomes, measures how well your users have adopted the system and the results that you've seen around, um, you know, we did a lot of measuring around quality and safety and um, just the, now we have so much data at our fingertips. So it really helped us to measure our success versus mm. just, you know, we got live. <laughs> That's usually the, you know, usually during the very early stages of an implementation, you measure yourself by on time and on budget. <laughs> <laughs> it got turned on. They're using it. <laughs> got it uh, but now it's really, okay, well, how do we use the data and appreciate our success with the system and uh, having some goals established to really showcase again what we've done with the system. Yeah, and I think that's been the evolution of MRAM is more towards those outcomes based, uh, you know, opportunities and, and showing that it's actually impacting outcomes rather than just, oh, you implemented this, right, or whatever it might be. D did you also use MRAM as a way to kind of motivate the employees or to get buy-in from leadership? Did you use it that way? Because I've heard a lot of people using MRAM that way as kind of this you know, goal that you could use with the team to be able to drive success and then obviously achieve a, an award, which is always good to get some recognition. Did you use it any of those ways or? We did um, definitely to seek, you know, we in our governance model, we tried to say we want to be operationally led and IT supported. So I think this MROM um, model really helped support that vision of, you know, operations and IT really partnering to achieve goals. It helps to educate IT folks that might be new to healthcare. So it helps them understand what are we measuring and why, and it just helps them approach their day and what they're building and supporting in, in, a, in a different perspective than again, just kind of turning things on. Um, we did use it as an employee engagement opportunity. So it, it's great when you get to have an award. <laughs> it's just, it, it can be motivating. It just helps you appreciate your hard work and that it paid off and that it's being recognized. So um, we did we did have it on our engagement yeah. um, goals and vision as well. 
Sure. Celebrating success is key for uh, employee morale, especially these days with all of us burnt out. So uh, were, were there parts of the MRAM that you, you know, maybe you wouldn't have implemented right away if, you, if they weren't part of this larger goal of becoming a stage seven hospital? Or, you know, how, how do you look at some of those things? Because some of them are pretty heavy lifts. I mean, we're, we're not talking, it's not a, it's not a little cakewalk to become MRAM stage seven. So were there things that you looked at and you're like, yeah, well, we, we're doing this because it's part of the, uh, the uh, you know, stage seven requirements. Yeah, um, not so much, you know, whether we would do it or not, but um, the metrics are pretty um, high, <laughs> so mm -hmm. which makes it a little bit more um, difficult to do. So the higher the metric requirement, the, the more challenging it can be. But there was nothing that we said we didn't believe in or we didn't agree sure. with that being something that we should pursue. Um, so, for example, um, it's the right thing to do for patient safety, but having, you know, 99% barcode medication administration compliance is hard to do, um, both from the technology standpoint, as well as the workforce education and accountability and making sure you have all of the tools and processes in place. That's really difficult to do because the, the bar is so high. Um, and the other one that's like really difficult to do, surprisingly, is getting rid of paper. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you would think with an electronic health record, we're capturing everything digitally at the point of care, uh, and we don't have paper anymore, but believe it or not, there's still a lot of printing, a lot of faxing, a lot of um, just one-off pieces of paper that make their way into a, a patient's stay. And so having that uh, either scanned in and made available real time is tricky to do as well, so... Uh, I wouldn't say we wouldn't have done that, but it is a little more uh, challenging to do. Again, having the technology in place, having the processes in place, um, and making sure that everyone's compliant with it. Yeah, the scanner business is a good place to be. Uh, and EHRs are paper generating machines, right? A few clicks and you can generate a lot of paper. So it's kind of ironic. How much? We still do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I was looking around, around my desk at some of the paper that had accrued just this morning. And I was like, where did all this come from? I'm so digital. <laughs> uh, but then I wondered, oh, is my digital life a mess the way my desk is? But anyway, <laughs> something to think about as we look at our EHRs probably in ERP systems. But, um, <clears throat> you know, looking forward, what, what, what's next on the roadmap for LCMC Health? Um, well, I, I kind of mentioned the ERP. That's our next big thing. Um, cybersecurity, of course. I know that keeps all of us CIOs up at night and trying to stay on our toes and um, being able to continue to advance what we need to because uh, the cyber criminals of the world keep getting smarter too. So um, making sure that we have a good posture and maturity around cybersecurity. The, the other thing that we're working on is um, access. So not only do we need to continue to focus on clinician efficiencies and the clinician experience? Now we have a focus on the patient experience. Um, and I wouldn't say one is more important than the other. So keeping both of those things um, very much in focus. On the, on the clinician side, of course, there is the workforce shortage and the burnout, et cetera. So how do we continue to make their experience as efficient and joyful as possible? Um, and then on the patient side, we do realize that we're entering this world of consumerism and patients have a choice and they want easy access. So we're doing a lot around um, just making the patient experience easier um, to enter our system and then to stay 
um, in our system, both through our patient portals and a variety of tools that they can um, even use like remote monitoring, for example, from home and telemedicine. So um, that's a big area. And then the other area, I kind of touched on it briefly earlier, but revenue cycle. So the reimbursement models are always changing. And I know it varies from state to state and community to community, but um, trying to stay on top of that of the um, reimbursement models and ensuring that we can continue to afford um, both the inflation expense rises, but also ensuring that we're getting uh, the revenue that we need and partnering with payers, et cetera, and, and understanding that model as well. So we're doing a lot around that. Um, and then data analytics is, is the next piece. So now we've got so much data available. How do we leverage it and use it and um, measure the right things? So um, moving not only from analyzing the data, but also becoming a little bit more predictive with it as well. So how can uh, we use this data to predict um, outcomes and um, potential de deterioration and um, social determinants of health. So we're doing a lot in those spaces as well. Hmm. So really, you don't have much going on is what you're saying. <laughs> that, that's a lot, right? Uh, you, you think about all the different areas, right? And you know, I love that you love with cybersecurity because it never is going to stop. I think that's the, that's the challenge there. Um, you know, it's interesting when you talked about patient experience. I came from the Qualtrics conference, which is all about patient experience. And, and, and one of the people talked about, hey, you know, healthcare is focused on quality for a long time, right? And lots of efforts to improve quality and the quality of care that's given. We've also spent a fair amount of time on revenue cycle, right? I mean, you look at all the revenue cycle companies to ensure we get paid. I think you're right. It's changing, right? As payments or uh, patients are responsible for more. He's like, but he's like, we didn't spend enough time on patient experience and we need to do that now, right? Which I, I thought was an interesting. Sounds like you're uh, going through a similar path. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do think the first, I'll, I'll, I'll say we've been working on EHRs my entire career, which is a little bit over 20 years. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I would say the first, you know, 10 to 12 years was really just digitizing, you know, the paper record and, and a lot of focus was on the clinician experience, um, particularly because up until, you know, 2008, 2009, CPOE, computerized physician order entry and evidence-based medicine wasn't fully bought into. Um, until meaningful use came around and then everyone decided that uh, it was the right thing to do, <laughs> which is unheard of now because it's just so natural that we do those right. things now. But um, that was a, a big focus that first, you know, 10 years or so of my career. And then, yeah, now it's like, well, that's still important. We still need to do that um, in, in order to recruit and retain, you know, the, the top talent that we need. But we also now have this focus on the patient because they can choose. They, they can choose and they want to be able to access care um, immediately and, and efficiently and quickly because uh, they do have a, a choice now and um, making it transparent for them to understand um, how to access the system, what their bill might look like, how they can communicate with us and their provider and what they can expect. Like that, that's just a, a standard expectation from patients now too. Yeah. Well, and it was also interesting to hear them when they talk about focusing on the patient experience that if we get it right, there's a trickle down effect impact on the on the staff as well, because if they're not pissed off that there wasn't an iPhone charger in your ER waiting room and they couldn't charge their phone, <laughs> now they won't be quite as angry when they get to the nurse and the doctor down the road. So it's interesting how they're intertwined, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, and um, and it, you're right. I'm gonna tell a quick other little story. Um, so we just did a big project this past year to revise our online scheduling capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so prior to this project, it was a little bit more, I would say, um, clinician focused in that they um, were able to control their schedules a little bit more, and we kind of had some blocks in place of a patient traveling throughout our system and trying to keep the patient at that particular provider or clinic. And we just revised that whole model to open to open access for our patients that if there is an unavailable provider within that service line, they need to be able to schedule into that um, appointment and get in you know, when they want to get in. So that was a little bit of a culture shift as well. But not only are the patients happier since we revised this model, but everything went up. So volumes went up, um, patient portal signup went up, schedule utilization went up. Wow. Uh, Yeah, so it it really did go hand in hand. Not only were the patients happier, but we got increased volume as a result as well, uh, which again, just helps us to remain in the community and see more patients. Yeah, that's a great story. And I think you just described what I would call like a CIO eternal truth. Sometimes you got to implement something halfway so that they can see, you know, so that you can get to the full way, right? Like I did that in the first EHR we did, we implemented just the charge capture. And then the nurses and doctors started complaining, well, why can't I just do the rest of it here? We're like, really? Yes, of course. (laughs) Yeah, I've had to learn to become patient. So, um, you know, when we were designing this system, it wasn't like we were intentionally saying, well, we're going to keep this pretty closed. Um, but but back to that culture piece, you know, not every uh, not everyone was ready for that. I mean, that was like real change um, yeah. and weren't necessarily ready, you know, four years ago, but we're definitely ready now. Yeah, I love that. And, and I CIO eternal truth. <laughs> Get, be patient. <laughs> I've had a, that's my uh, my word of the year. Patient. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good life lesson. Um, well, we always like to finish up these uh, CIO podcasts with a little bit of career advice and some, some thoughts and perspectives. You know, you have 20 years working in this area. So what advice would you offer someone who, who would like to be a healthcare CIO like you? Yeah, I would say um, get involved, uh, get involved in whatever network um, in your your industry. So uh, I personally am a, um, I'm actually on the board of CHIME, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, and I've been a member since 2006. Um, And it's just a great avenue for networking and talking to peers, and you don't have to be a CIO to, to be in that organization. So there's just so many different tracks you can learn from. Um, and whether that's Chime or something else, uh, I would say get engaged and find those peers and that network that you can communicate with um, and, and staying abreast of what's happening, you know, through things like this, like podcasts. Um, and then the other piece of advice, if, if you're working on um, just IT leadership or CIO track is to really understand that value on partnering with operations or really aligning the technology strategy with the organizational strategy and collaboration is the key. Um, yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I think there's so many uh, tech guys like me that uh, just want to implement the tech solution and not necessarily look at the business side. So that, that's really good advice. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Tanya. I appreciate you taking time to share these insights and perspectives and the experience, you know, and congratulations to you and your team on achieving the HIMS MRAM stage seven. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you.